Yo, what up, everybody? Welcome to the Etcetera's. We're here. We'll be talking about culture, everything culture, people that were there, stuff that we experienced, stuff that we love to do. Just a conversation, man. We got the co-host here, Eddie Gonzalez. I think I'm going to start calling you Eddie G. I don't want to go through the whole Orbanski or I can't go you Eddie Gonzalez the whole time. But I feel like the longer you know somebody, the shorter their name becomes for you. <laughs> yeah. It's a special episode this week for a few reasons. It's my birthday, I'm turning 32. Happy birthday, man. Eddie is just alive, <laughs> which is a good thing. And uh, we have uh, one of the best human beings, most talented people on the planet, and Kyrie Irving here to kick this off for us. Yeah, man. It, it's the perfect guest for so many reasons. Obviously, everybody's looking forward to you guys playing. You guys have a friendship that goes back years and years, and we get to hear a little bit about that story, and we get to kind of just talk and just have conversations, which is the basis for this. Some episodes will go one direction. Some episodes will go another. Sometimes we'll be focusing on people we think are fascinating like Kyrie. Sometimes we'll be talking about topics mm -hmm. and landmark events. I think this is a mix of all of that. You know, Kyrie tells us in this first hour, he tells us that spin move that we're still geeked about that you got front row seats for. <laughs> yeah. We talk about game seven. We talk about Kobe. Throughout, how could you not? I think it's a perfect starting point for us for what we're trying to do here with the Boardroom Podcast Network and our partnership with Cadence 13, with our vision is for the Etcetera's and its own thing, its own separate entity. I think there's no more perfect starting point than what we have right here. So I'm excited for people to hear this. Most definitely. So yeah, without further ado, man, let's get to Kai. Let's hear about what he thought when you jumped to the ops. <laughs> also let's hear about how he feels the difference between new york basketball and jersey basketball yeah, that was man. probably the most important thing that i wanted to hear from the source himself because you hear from the new york side it's different from the jersey side so i'm excited about that conversation for sure yeah Kyrie definitely stakes his claim as a new york legend whether they want to give him that or yes. not so yeah yes. fascinating point <laughs> so let's get to kai man let's hear what he's got to say Now, Kay, you got to do like, you got to get the man's resume when you <laughs> when you introduce him. Yeah, I didn't know if he wanted any titles on him. So we can uh, definitely read down the resume. We can say like the illest handle that's ever grabbed a basketball and bounced it on the ground. One of the few people who could say he's hit a game seven game winner in the finals. One of the best signature shoe lines in Nike history. Six-time All-Star, two-time All-NBA, NBA champion. Welcome Kyrie Irving to the show. Appreciate you guys. Yo, so Kai, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to kind of start from the beginning, man. Like the origin of just Kyrie Irving, the human being, and why you decided to choose this particular art form. Okay, origins, man. Well, you know, uh, unfortunately, I lost my mom at a young age, so my dad, you know, took me and my sister. Uh, you know, just in, in his in his protection. And I was following a superhero. You know, my dad was a superhero for me growing up and his sacrifices and what he did um, throughout his life and his journey really inspired me to want to aspire to be a better man than he was. And he made sure of it. And just like my sister, she, she was raised as a queen. You know, we were taught from a young age that we were royalty, you know, and that anything we put our minds to, we can achieve. So you know, my dad loves to tell this story, but I was, I think I was 14 months. I was in the hospital and, you know, I'm just dribbling a basketball 
at 14 months. And I, I don't know, you know, if, <laughs> how many other 14 month year olds will, you know, could attest to that story. But yeah. at the same time, my dad loves to say like the doctors, um, you know, told me to keep dribbling. Like my dad was like, stop dribbling in the hospital, stop dribbling in the hospital. I'm like, no, let him go. Let him dribble as much as possible. Let him dribble as much as possible. And over time, you know, just being around the game with my dad, um, that's what it felt like initially was just a game. The origins of why I chose this art form, it changes, you know, over time and the evolution of who I became as, as a young man into, you know, an older man now, um, being a kid. Um, but yeah, no, it was a game at first, man. I used to go to my dad's, you know, weekend powwows with his boys, his little hangouts. You know, the Bronx, <laughs> yeah, the I met a couple of your unks too, so I know how those were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like spending time, uh, you know, where they grew up, which is Mitchell Projects in the Bronx, New York. And that's really where the origins of my dad's side start, you know, in, is in those buildings, 16J. Um, you know, six kids living in there, you know, just hood rich. You know, we, we, had enough, <laughs> you know we, we had enough to get by. Everybody was staying over at our house and we had three bedrooms, you know, very small and cramped, but we made the best out of it. And when I say we, it's just, you know, my, my aunts, you know, my family that came before me um, and they were always around the game of basketball as well. And they saw my dad develop. So when he had me, it was like, all right, well, now I could teach all the things that I wanted to do as a basketball player to my son. You know, my sister was beautiful, queen, creative by beyond anyone's measure. But me, he was like, yo, I want to take this game and I want to teach it to you. And as probably when I got to be like five or six years old, you know, my dad was outside with me in the gym and he was like, I'm gonna give you one of these secrets. He was always he was always giving me secrets to stay ahead of my uh, generation. Mm -hmm. There isn't really many five, five year olds, six year olds that are laying up with their left hand. You know, so I was at five years old. I'm on a fast break and you know, most five-year-olds are going to dribble all the way from the left side, all the way to the right side, just to make sure they can shoot on. Yeah. Shoot on the, you know what I mean? They're going to do, they're going to do a whole, like, you're like, yo, just go with your left. So I was five, six. And then from that point on basketball felt like it was a classic every weekend. Like it was a crowd. It was, you know, the refs were, you know, refing, they, they, they were refing high-level basketball. We were like six and seven playing in New York in the boroughs and parents on the side arguing. And, you know, basketball became more than a game at that point. When you see investment of time, of teaching, of, um, you know, coaching, of mentorship, of older relationships, resources, you know, my uncle Rod, Rod Strickland. As a kid, I, I was around the game, but it became more than a game in our form around like seven. Mm. So you spoke on having your father as an influence and also one of his best, best friends being Ross Strickland. And the legend is that you took from both of their games. What was their relationship like coming up and how did they compete with each other in the Bronx coming up as Hoopers? Well, I mean, they were they were basically building mates. You know, all my uncles or my godfather – um, or my godfather, so I say, you know, because I have multiple. So <laughs> yeah. They all have something to do with, you know, being a counselor to me as I've gotten older. But um, shoot, man, those dudes, I know they went at it. And, and when I ask them stories about, you know, who was better, it's always they're always pumping each other up. You know, your dad was really, really good, really, really great player. And then, of course, my Uncle Rod has the resume. You know, but what I had a chance to do was be taught by my dad, you know, I, and, I, and I also saw him play often. 
And this was in his later years of his life, which was 35 on, should I say, like after his prime, you know, where he was trying to still find competition and joy in playing in competitive basketball, knowing that, you know, he could have played in the NBA. I I genuinely believe that because he is the best player I've seen other than Cole, you know, like that, that growing up, I knew that no one else was going to take that stamp. But my uncle Rod, I only got to see highlights of him. I never really got to sit down and, ask him questions and study him and observe and us work out together to an extent where we had that bond of teacher student, you know, now it's becoming that more than I'm older, but as a kid, it was just my dad. I had a few coaches around Jersey and New York, but he really kept me insulated to just be taught the game fundamentally. You know, I, I was, I was crafting away hours in the gym before I was going to tournaments, you know, me and my dad were getting up, you know, 500 shots when I was eight years old, nine years old, 50 a spot, you know, just in, and just keeping track of perfection. We're chasing perfection. We're chasing them, crafting away at that. So I think between those two, I had a great mix, you know, of being able to observe from afar with my Uncle Rod and then also being up close with my dad as a teacher. Kai, something I always wonder about you trying to, like, figure out the enigma that is Kyrie, right, from afar. Having your dad, having your Uncle Rod, having your dad play pro and obviously Uncle Rod had a, had a long NBA career. At what point did you look at them, see what they do, see what you're doing with ball? And it, it stopped being like a dream and being more like, I could do this. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? Like, where did you make that transition from t- between that being some some long fable, something that seemed too far away to like, no, nah, I can actually go pro, I can actually do this? Man, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I saw it maybe – I say like after eighth grade, you know, like I started to get a little bit more athletic and, you know, I know Kay's going to find this funny, but I was always, <laughs> always make up my size of when I have my little growth spurt because I only grew. Not everybody could go from 6'2 to 6'11 in the summertime and have to, you know, like I went from 5'7, five, 5'6 five, to like 5'9. And in those mm-hmm. inches, I became a little bit more athletic. And my dad came home from work one day. And he was like, when you go to the bass, I'm going to show you this one move. And, and your Uncle Rod perfected it. I perfected it. But your Uncle Rod, he like, he has the angles and he has all these things on the rim. I'm going to show you something. So he came home. He was in his suit. And he showed me, you go up with the right and you finish with the left. But you use your right side of your body against taller defenders and use the rim as protection in order to extend to be able to finish. So... You know, that that summer going into my freshman year, started sitting on the wall, started doing a bunch of calf raises. (laughs) But more importantly, I I was playing all the time. You know, like before it was, hey, I play on weekends, play travel basketball, you know, work out with my dad. But this time, this summer, I was playing every day. And I had bad games, good games, all an array of things. But I really didn't care, you know, because I was in New York City playing against presses all the time, which is New York City AAU circuit. I, get, I got so tired. I got so tired of playing against uh, presses in New York City, the Gauchos, Metro Hawk, all the same guys that just pressed the whole game. Though the idea of pressing Kyrie in his handle is just insane to me. Like, why would you think that? Why would you think yeah. that's okay? Yeah. You learn very quick in New York City or in DC or just in, in those like hood environments where you're in the trenches. Like, people don't know about that, about being a kid and psychologically getting ready for that on a Friday night. Saturday weekend game, you know what I mean? Like that mm-hmm. intensity swings games at, at them levels. Yeah. You know, it takes kids off the court. Yeah, for sure. So 
after eighth grade, I grew a little, and then I came back my freshman year, and I got offered a scholarship, a partial scholarship, uh, athletic scholarship to Montclair Kimberly Academy, which was, you know, top three academic school in New Jersey. Um, so I had a chance to go there, and it was just different. Then I'm playing against, you know, suburban league. Getting you know, 40s kind of, and 50s, easy. Basketball is the second <laughs> option to them. Yeah. You know, basketball is the first option to me after eighth grade. Like, it, it was nothing else. It was just that, and school happened to be something I did on, for social life. You know, basketball was everything I thought about during the day. It was everything I wanted to be because of all the great heroes I saw before me. You know, whether it be J-Kid in Jersey, AI, Kobe. You know, even guys in the high school class watching KD as he grew older, I, I, I grew with O.J. Mayo. I grew with Greg Oden. I grew with Kevin Durant. I grew with Kevin Love. I grew with a Kyle Singler. I grew with Nolan Smith. Even though they were four, three years older than me or four years older than me, it, aspi- it inspired me to want to go and get MVP of McDonald's, to want to go and get MVP of Jordan Brand, to know that, all right, if I get the same accomplishments as these guys, I put myself in, in better position. And by the time the end of my junior year, I had a, a lot of those trajectories of getting those accomplishments. So I was like, man, I, I, I could go pro. Like, I think I could go pro straight out of high school, if you ask me. <laughs> like, a little too small <laughs> at this point, but I figure it out. Like, throw me out there with some pros, and I, I figure some, something out. So, and then the confidence as well follows suit. Did it help to have your uncle and your, and your pops right there to be like, no, nah, like, this is doable. Like, I'm, I'm training with them. I'm playing with them. This is, this is something I could actually do. Yeah, so, but part of that evolution I failed to mention was going from MK, I went to St. Pat's, and it was mm-hmm. like, I stopped playing with the suburban guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, had basketball as just a second option, and, they, you know, their parents, you know, are sending them to school for strictly an education and trade-specific jobs. Lawyers, accountants, financial managers, enterprise, like, entrepreneurs, all educators, all that. And then going to St. Pat's, it was turning the whole level up on if this is your dream, then know that there are more people in your competitive pool like you now. You know, we had Dexter Strickland, Michael Kidd Gilchrist. We had, you know, um, uh, Paris Bennett. We had a few other guys that were local around Jersey that were well-known. And the the competition level, it made me hungrier because you're going into practice every day, people getting thrown against the wall. You know, it's old-school basketball. Coaches aren't calling fouls. You got Kentucky, Duke, UNC, UCLA sitting in the middle of Elizabeth, New Jersey, just coming to see a bunch of young Black African-Americans play the game that they love. You know what I mean? At a very, very high level in a small Catholic gym. That's when I knew the things were a little bit different. MK, we had a huge gym, small little crowd. At St. Pat's, we had a small Catholic gym that we practiced in. And it made us tougher and almost like, it's almost like, all right, you want this dream? This is where you got to go first. You got to make it out of here. And making it out of there really put that hunger in my belly. So anytime I went against anybody, I knew the foundation I came from. It was kill or be killed or eat or be eaten. And I always call it a sharky shark world in our profession because you have to see and have that mindset to want to destroy and conquer the other person. That's the way I was taught. It's nothing personal. It's just that's embedded in my DNA from going through experiences like that. Your style of play, what people would say it mimics a, a New York style of play. But do you would you say New Jersey has its own distinct style? That's a whole that's a whole conversation, especially in that area. So would you say Jersey had this specific style of play as opposed to New York? I'm not gonna make it just a what's the best coast, but I know the East Coast itself was fully represented 
and hoop. And where I'm from and what I experienced coming from Jersey to New York, New York didn't want to cl claim me as I was growing older. You know what I mean? It, it, it was one of those things where you're not part of the, what is it, NYC high school league. You got Lincoln. You got oh, I see what you mean. The high school, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. High school championship in New York is a little bit different. The teams are all over. New York is huge. Yeah. And Jersey coming over, it's a stigma. You you soft as hell. You you live in the burbs. You live in Jersey. You live in the Garden State. You 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 only shoot like we're gonna we're gonna make sure we run you out of the gym if you're a Jersey team. And it was that type of attitude. And I was like, all right, bet chip on my shoulder right there. Okay. And as I got older, then it was oh, Kai's from the Bronx, and yeah, my family is from the Bronx. Uh, you know, now I'm like part of the New York City conversation. Who's the greatest to come out of it? And I'm like, yo, listen, I just wanted to put in my time to make sure that I was the best player on the floor every time you saw me play. If I wasn't, then on that day, hey, I, I may not be on your list, but when you saw me play in New York, New Jersey, D.C., North Carolina, Miami, anywhere else, I was like, yo, in New York, that's just not sliding. <laughs> like, cause New York, yo, you, you gotta be ready for that. That's a yeah. different type of excitement, anxiety for some people, going out playing in the parks. Yeah. And translating that attitude was like, New York versus New Jersey All-Star game my senior year. I walk into the locker room. And this is a true story. <laughs> we walk into the locker room. It's an All-Star game. And this is when I knew I was just on a, like, I, I kind of eclipsed where I even saw myself was, you know, in this New York City, New Jersey All-Star game. And I grew up with everybody playing in that game. And I'm sitting there, and I, I come in. Usually I come in. I used to try to fit in with everybody. Used to, you know, what up, everybody? What's good? What's good? What's good? At that point, I'm 18. <laughs> I'm top three in the country. I'm coming in. I just committed to Duke. I got everything I could want at this point in my life of just being secure basketball-wise. I get dressed across from everybody. I'm like, man, what would Kobe do in this situation? Take <laughs> out my shoes. Boom. You know, and then I hear whispers, and they're like, yo, who's guarding, who, who's guarding that mom over there? Who, who's guarding him? Who's guarding him over there? And I looked up. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, mother effer. Yeah, I remember all those times they tried to bully me. They tried to run me out of the gym. They tried to tell me I wasn't good enough yeah. to play in New York. And, oh, go back to Jersey. Because yeah. I used to bring a lot of my Jersey friends to play in New York. And sometimes we got smacked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a lot of those guys that I grew up with, they'd be like, yo, Kai just, he came out of nowhere. He, you know, I was like, no, nah, I remember all those times. So that's good fun. But so, like you said, I feel like, some of your earliest story has been told time and time again. And, you know, we had to, we'd make you tell it again anyway. It's, it's a great story. But I'm very curious because I feel like you're one of the most visible and, and appreciated superstars in the, in the league right now. But I don't feel like I know anything about you right now. Like, what do you listen to? What do you do? What happens when Kyrie wakes up on a Thursday, in a Thursday morning, and doesn't have nothing on the schedule? Like, what, what are you doing right now? Nah, bro. Honestly, that's... That's not the first time that I've heard that. And honestly, I, I tell you, I, I grew up in this business very differently than everyone else. Where my foundation is, I'm, I'm home most of the time. You know, I'm either reading books, watching documentaries, um, you know, chilling at home, conversing with some family. And, you know, my life has shifted. You know, I've been out invisible at a certain time as a young man. <laughs> You know, I've been in front of the cameras. You know, you could go back and watch a lot of the past history of videos, whether it be some of the brand partnerships I've had 
or even some of the mistakes I've made in my life publicly or, you know, the media following every single word and hanging on every single word. And it becomes, you know, the narrative or the picture of me. And it's like, I, I never want to go out and fight against a system such as that in this business that I know doesn't serve me internally. You know what I mean? So when I express myself creatively or artistically, that's basketball. I'm in a meditative state when I'm out there playing. You know, I, I feel like there isn't much that could get to me when I'm in that, when I'm in that mode, you know, whether it's I'm playing well or I'm playing bad, it's, it's such a, a, a sacred place for me. And when I come out into the world, you know, as Kai or as just a human being, I don't want to be that person that puts on that cape on the court. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm me in terms of how I live my life and whether I choose to invite people into it, that's up to me. I serve God first and foremost in order to serve others. And God has blessed me with this unbelievable creative expression of art to be able to bring people together and congregate and watch, you know, someone on the TV screen that know that, you know, I know I'm pure based upon what I give myself to and what I pray to. But I can't tell you that I want to be like all the people that came before me either of just being out and about like that. That life doesn't it's so it's so fleeting. You know what I mean? I'm trying to explain it in some of those words and how do I sum it up without chopping up, you know, how I feel about changing the world. But it's like basketball is a small part of me and trying to re resolve world issues through basketball. It doesn't always work that way. You know what I mean? People just want to see you entertain when you put that camera in front of your face and you're on these big time court, but they just want to see you entertain, entertain and dance and dance. Okay, yeah, I'll dance. But off the court, when we're talking about people getting murdered and killed in the streets, are you still going to sit down and listen? Do you still want to know about our intellect and who we are as people other than being basketball players? Because the narrative has is that they're allowed, or when I say they're, the powers that exist that write all these shits and, you know, it's <laughs> always misinterpreted. I speak place of you know spiritual warfare and trying to make a change in that to bring people together i know that me on the me being on the court brings people together so when i'm on that platform or stage i want to make sure i have something concrete to say and when i leave that game that i'm still leaving my legacy on on life you have this weird not you but you guys have a weird dynamic where we've essentially watched both of you and all of your peers grow up we we all know like we weren't the same guy we weren't the same guy at 18 that we are at 28 at 31 at you know and it, it's like people don't want to afford you that growth like people expect you to be 21 year old Kyrie in 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 that vision of what they had of you at that time and and then when you grow it's like you've changed or you're weird or you're this and that it's it's a really weird dynamic and on top of that People just only see you as your profession. Like if I get on Twitter tomorrow and say, yo, I'm playing Tony Hawk. This is dope. People aren't going to go, well, get back on the computer. You need to you need to write some shit. They're going to go, oh, yeah, like they're going to interact. Like, nah, I like that. I like that level of whoop, whoop, whoop. And, but y'all, it's like if, if you're doing anything that is outside of basketball and, and people have this concept where y'all can only be in the gym it's like, nah, Kyrie should be working on his left right now. Like, you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't be out, like, you shouldn't be out, you know, donating money to, to these causes. You shouldn't be doing these things. You should be working on your free throws. You missed that one on that other game I watched you and you, you ruined it. Like, it's this really weird concept of you guys that people have. And I know, Kevin, 
we've laughed about that shit a lot and that's kind of it's kind of one of the first things we connected on is like yeah you you're an actual you're an actual human you do other things besides shoot the ball it's weird it's weird because when you start to if you start to develop to develop your game and understand the art form and and use it in a you know in a meditative state you know you start to realize that you're bigger than just the sport as well and you can and 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 there's more to it's more size to you than what you do on the basketball floor. Although you present um, such a you you give off such a such amazing you know energy by being on the floor to everybody who's watching, who to everybody who's at the game, to people you interact with. But sometimes you forget to realize that it's much more than this. And we can get we talked about this before, Kai. Where you can get wrapped up in the bubble so much and forget about reality. When you feel like when you feel like it was that shift where you start to see both and balance both because you still want to be great in one area but you still also realize that there's a second that's a that's another part of you as well. It's only natural as you grow and you become more well traveled as you guys as your job affords you guys to be and just meet more people, do more things that oh you're going to take interest in other other things. And like I said, it's crazy to me that y'all are not allowed that latitude, you know, yeah. when when you when you set up an office for your business in New York, people are going, "Yo, but you play in Golden State, like go to the gym." Yeah. And it's yeah, like, exactly. dog, <laughs> like yeah, I got a exactly. whole, you know, and, and that's it's just crazy to me. And as I, I, I'm sure I was that fan when I was younger too. But as I grow older, as I meet guys like you, it's like we really got this really warped idea of what these guys are and what they can do, what they should be allowed to do. It's it's it blows my mind really. So, Kai, coming into the league, you spoke about Kobe earlier. You guys had such a relationship that was growing on and off the floor every single day, more so as a mentor off the floor and more like a coach on the floor. Explain that relationship a little bit more. Oh, man. Well, shoot. Like, well, let's start in the origins of that story. Yeah. So when when did it, when did it start? Because I, I remember you going at Kobe when we were in um, – Team USA in 2012. I wasn't only going at Kobe. I was going at you too. I don't remember that. I don't remember that. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember hearing that. I got a little reach in there, but I was just a, on the side. It was more so James Harden and Kobe. But Can't I was got just, some of that smoke, man. That that <laughs> yeah. famous like spin move. Ain't you the Ain't you the one lunching? <laughs> I thought I had to swipe, but that's when I realized you were different. Well, so 2012, <laughs> I get invited uh, to Team USA. I played on Team USA in 2010, um, and, you know, Coach K told me uh, maybe 2009, I, I thought about this, and it's like I'll, I'll tie it into meeting Cole because um, I met him my rookie year and we played against each other, but I didn't talk to him. I didn't get a chance to speak to him. Um, but Coach, Coach wanted me to play for Team USA, and I was trying to play for Australia in 2009. Mm, I didn't know that. You know, yeah, I was trying to play for Australia in 2009. We were going to take it to court, and Coach K called me. He was like, what do you think you're doing? And I was like, oh, okay. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, I got you, man. <laughs> because joining the Australian national team at that point, I could have been on the world championship team a lot sooner, been able to play against Team USA in the 2012 Olympics, playing with Patty Mills, you know, um, Aaron Baines, uh, Andrew Bogut, you know, the whole – and Ben Simmons was young at that time too. Uh but 2012, I get invited to Team USA, and, you know, we're on the select team. 
Kev knows what the select team is really about. Yeah, you're in the side gym until we're ready to come beat up on y'all. We're basically the beat up crew. We're we're <laughs> we're the clean up crew that you just throw in there. You know, alternate jerseys and just, <laughs> you know, the idea is that we are supposed to get Team USA ready to play against these other international teams. So we go. Um, I'm coming off rookie of the year, by the way. Um, thought I mentioned that. Uh, <laughs> And when I, after practice, you remember everybody used to split up in the groups. And this is when I realized that I had no idea about getting older in the NBA until now. Cole didn't get extra work after like much in terms of when the select team was there, when we were there, because I know everybody was just now getting back into shape. So um, I go over to Cole, Cole's about to get ice uh, from the trainer. What, what's a, is it Sharp? Yeah, Joe Sharp. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he's over there about to give ice to Cove, and I walk over there, and my heart's pounding, bro. Like, I don't know why. Heart's pounding. I'm like, man, I'm about to go talk over to Cove. I'm about to, yo, honestly, I beat you one-on-one, bro. And I practice the line in my head. Like, when I get a chance, <laughs> I can beat you one-on-one. I practice in the mirror <laughs> before I got there. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll go straight up. I'm like, yo, Cove, man, like, yeah, I can beat you one-on-one, man. Honestly, like, we should get this one-on-one game. Like, honestly, I think you can't guard me. <laughs> you know, I, I kind of went off the after that. I didn't, I didn't plan it. And then Duke Blue Planet was right there, and they just captured the whole thing, the exchange. And I realized at this point, you know, Cole also had an aura about him at this time that, um, you know, if you were around him, like, he gravitated towards the real ones, you know, and he would have a conversation with the real people, and he would address you in a respectful yeah. manner. As long as you gave him that same respect and you showed no fear, you know what I mean? Almost like to the point where he knows he's Kobe Bryant. I know he's Kobe Bryant, but F that. Like, this is competition. This is fun. This is a, this is more than a game for us. This is learning from the greatest to play at, at, through my optics, you know, through my generation. When I had that conversation with him, I found out after he passed, you know, that he went back. Uh, and he went in the Chinese restaurant, the Asian restaurant. What's it? Uh, eight. Uh, uh, and the win, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, yeah right when you walk yeah. in. So he was in there, and he was talking to his team, his business team, and his team around him. He was like, "Man, this mother effer, little kid, Kyrie, yeah. got the to come up and talk to me. He got the nerve to come up and talk to me. Like, because mind you, any other situation, Cole would have just strapped up his shoes. But I think he also had a mutual respect for me at that point." early on in my life where it was like, yo, you know what? 50,000 next year, let's do it. We never got a chance to play, but after that point, um, I just studied him a lot more. You know, my respect grew. He just told me I was doing great things at Team USA to keep it up. You know, I talked with Kay, I, even though we talked in pockets sometimes, I was really just trying to fit in more than anything because just like UK, when you came in, you were the young guy with the older guys that were already great and in their prime, you know, 07, 08, and it was a different you know, Mount Rushmore at that point. And now 2012, you're at the top of that mountain, you know, carving your face, bronze up there, 2012 coming off the NBA championship, Kobe's coming off, you know, having 2011, 2012, winning back-to-back championships. So the respect level was at an all-time high. And that that's something that I always appreciated about the NBA and heard about it. It was a brotherhood like that, you know, but I didn't know that we could have access to Kobe like that. Yeah. You know, I, I just kind of went on the whim and just like, yo, if he talks to me, he talks to me. If he doesn't, because we always heard, like, yo, Kobe is this, Kobe is that. 
from the media, same situation that we're sometimes in of just like people badgering who he is as a person and you sit down and talk with him and it's just like, this dude is the most, you know, fiercest warrior looking person that I've ever been around in group. <laughs> yeah. As a person, he's the same way. And I could respect somebody like that, that also at the root of it, the foundation, what I loved about that man was how he took care of his family. So all basketball aside, I, you know, kid aside, and I was growing up into a man, that's what I appreciate more is how he took care of his family and then how he went about his business. So y'all never played one-on-one at all? You never got a workout in, none of that? No. When he, so 2015, we have dinner um, in Newport before the Lakers game, and it's the last game that him and Bron are playing. It's the last game I'm playing against him as well. It's at uh, Staples. You know, we're, we're having some um, – we're having uh, some vodka and some, you know, like, <laughs> you know, the night before the game, we're over here drinking. <laughs> and, and he's over here telling me, like, yo, the Warriors boy, that boy Steph and Clay, that team over there, they some bad boys. It's 2015. You know, I look cold straight in the eyes. I said, yo, we can beat them. We can beat them. You know, we are going to beat them. And, you know, Coach Handy's right there next to me. And we're just sitting there talking and, and Kobe's asking me about some of the players in the league who I see coming up. And that year I ended up getting hurt in the finals. So before I even got hurt, I was calling him about how did he deal with injury? And, you know, he gave me some of the most Kobe responses of, you know, block it out mentally, psychologically, don't worry about the injury, worry about the game. And uh, he just really kept me together mentally during that time because I couldn't really do anything about my knee at that time in the playoffs. And that dude was just always one text and one phone call away. Like at all times, at any time in the night, any, you know, even if he got back to me in three, four days, same thing I do to people he did to me. I was <laughs> like, Hey, like I get it. Yeah. I get it. You know, trying to be there and be a mentor. You know, I wanted him to be that mentor for me, which he was. In, in ideology and philosophy, but because I couldn't be around him, I had to study him as almost you study somebody, you know, from afar that's great and they just leave breadcrumbs for you. So 2015 on, I felt like he was preparing me for what was to come. And then 2016, we win. 2017, we lose to KD in the finals. I ask for a trade. You know, it's one of the biggest breakups other than Russ and Katie and me and Bron and, you know, uh, T-Mac and uh, T-Mac <laughs> Carter. And we can think of all, by the way, I've realized that all of these NBA breakups that they make a big deal of has happened in history. You know what I mean? Like yes. it's, it's almost like first. premeditated. Of, <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not new. Yeah. It's yeah, not new I, at all. Let's pit these dudes against each other. Cause they're the two best players. And you know, so, and then 2018, um, you know, he told me, he was like, yo, Boston is a great situation for you. You know, I'm happy that you went to a historical franchise that's about winning. You know, he was really happy for me. And then 2018, I get hurt. Uh, our young guys lead us to the Eastern Conference Finals. And then 2018, you know, I'm asking, I'm texting back and forth, like, yo, how do I, how do I get this group to gel? You know, how do I get this group to really come together? And I, I feel like I didn't have enough time to inject you know, that type of overall energy that I, I was, that I was feeling, you know what I mean? Because it was the first time that life became bigger than basketball for me in 2019, you know, like before it was kind of ball was, 
everything else was supplemented from it. And then 2019 hit and I lost my grandfather. Life became way more important than basketball. So anything I was doing in basketball, I didn't really care. You know, I didn't really care how I was perceived. I didn't really care what was going on in terms of deals over here or, you know, issues over here within trying to mend relationships. And I'm like, freak, I got my own stuff to figure out. <laughs> my family's fractured right now. And I'm trying to put together a fractured team. You know, so I took that uh, responsibility, but I also know we learned a lot from that. And then 2020 or 2019, you know, we unveil one of the <laughs> one of the, one of the biggest surprise moves in NBA history. Yes. Nobody ever thought surprise. Mm, yes, especially <laughs> after the All Star Game video where they caught us in the no. hallway. That's when it was. That's when it was solidified that we were going somewhere. They didn't know for a fact where it was, but it was somewhere. But that leads me to our relationship and how that grew over time and evolved over time. Because you don't want to tell them how it really happened. I don't want y'all to get fined for tampering, but I do want to hear the real story, like that actual story. <laughs> so me and Kyrie have a mutual friend in Jeff Rogers who worked at Nike, and was our grassroots guy guys when we went to nike camps and when we had nike events as grassroots players high school players these guys were there as supporters we had nike our teams were sponsored by nike so we were kind of getting integrated into the family so some of the same guys that you know i came up under Kyrie came up under too so over time once once kai got into the league um jeff just happened to throw us on the text one night and we ended up playing we were playing the Cavs. This was your rookie year. And me, I'm looking at it like, oh, yeah, we're we're number one team in the West. We're playing against a shitty Cavs team. This is what I was thinking. <laughs> and this was before I seen that. I really seen the light on Kyrie Irving. I really seen it. You know, so I'm thinking we playing against a shitty team. And I get a text from Jeff and um, Kai. And, and Kai was just straight up serious. I'm joking around thinking it's just another game. And Kai was just so locked in and was it, it was almost like yo we're gonna see tomorrow <laughs> you know it, it wasn't like what's up little bro big bro it was like all right we, I'm, I'm gonna see what's up tomorrow and i'll let kai tell you <laughs> how he was feeling approaching approaching that game but i had no clue <laughs> that he how, how serious he took that game until we started our relationship started to grow so that's where it started for me that's a big matchup for you though right Kyle as a rookie you seeing Russ you seeing KD it's like alright I got a got a chance to prove some shit here exactly absolutely I, absolutely I always felt like that because it was what was in my DNA you know I knew that <laughs> hey you my uncle Rod always told me you better get somebody before they get you <laughs> you better come out firing before they come firing out you uh but yeah, no, my, I would say the synergy, like meaning like how connected I felt to K has been before then, you know what I mean? It was like, I knew about his story way before, you know, I made it to the NBA and I, I followed him because I knew that something special was going to happen for the next few years. You know what I mean? Like you can tell, like it, it's not too many people that I know that have, you know, mini series, well, not mini series, but your YouTube video. I used to watch your YouTube videos and, and they took, you know, a kind of like a in-person front camera. I think you were at Montrose. And I just imagine, yeah. remember this nine, skinny kid with a big oversized <laughs> hoodie. And you were talking about uh, Hunts Hill and yeah. 
was it Killman's Hill? Was it like what did you call? Yeah, it? it was Hunts Hill. I remember that video. I was I want to say it was a I think it was a Ballers Life. But yeah, I remember that. I remember that video. Cold as heck out there, and they made Kev <laughs> run up the hill, and I was in jeans. Yeah, yeah, that was what oh six. Made him run up the hill, and um, I remember the Berry Farms aspect of it as well. You know, welcome to the big show. He's only 18. <laughs> welcome to the big show. <laughs> it's him, Mike Beasley out there. And they're playing against grown men. And there's not too many, um, there's not too many uh like of my peers that I know that grew up like that, where they grew up outside playing against older men and grew around the game and the culture, and they also were dominating their peer group. You know, you like that that's what that's what I feel like makes the 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 mark of someone great is they could do it on all walks. You know, when he was 16 years old, I'm pretty sure you were playing against 27, 28 year olds and you were making it look easy, you know, going to pickup games. So I was like, if I could be like that, similar to that, all right, okay, let me follow this dude. This guy goes to Texas out of all places. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, yo, I'm like, what is in Texas? You know, but then I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about your team, though. Your team was good. Your team was good. You had you had something in mind that year. You seen what I was doing. You had the big ass size 16s with the strap <laughs> over the Nikes. And, <laughs> and Jeff Rogers, also our mutual friend, used to tell me about K. And um, I think he had uh, like such a, a compelling journey. You know, when I say compelling means you go through so much of, of life that almost you hide things that you've been through through the game itself, you know, and, and it, sometimes life is so painful as our, as, as our journeys that when we become pros and we become these guys, you know, we never forget it. So I felt connected to that fright from the beginning as a kid. And now I get a chance to be 28 and he's 32 to be able to absorb as much information as a little brother, you know, because I saw him as competition for the last nine years or eight years. So it wasn't much that I wanted to connect to him to, you know, he went to the state. <laughs> I was like, bro, whatever, bro. Like, why would you go to Golden State? Now you're about to make this an even harder journey for us. You know what I mean? I'm like, bro, let me just get these two chips. Smack up Steph, Clay, Draymond. We're gonna shut it. We're gonna shut them up one more time. And then you you came on that team, and what I admired was that's what greatness is. Is how do you elevate those around you, and to take that on and be with other great players and to exist that's like being at the top of mount everest with other great talents that you know can survive the journey you know i've been with 30 something g league players i've had five head coaches i've had multitude of teammates but when you get a chance to synergize with other smart high basketball iq players it makes coming to work that much easier you don't have to answer questions about oh well who's going to be great tonight and it's all on you right and then when it comes to the highest level of competition, you rise above everyone else. That's what I know about greatness. I don't see it as, oh, yo, you going to join, you know, all this hoopla that I, I felt like I had to sit back and observe and just like, yo, why would this even be a conversation for true basketball culture? There's a really weird idea of like how a star should grow in the league and a big part of that idea is you basically got to be on a shitty team and make that shitty team not shitty anymore <laughs> and i don't understand like people will say stuff like what would happen if steph was on the hornets 
And I'm like, why would we want him on the Hornets? Why don't we want the very best setup for the very best talents? And that's kind of where I land with KD. Now, as somebody who was rooting for you and Bron, I did the same thing as you. Like, come on, dog. Like, <laughs> we wanted to see them running back. Like, what are we doing? But yeah, yeah. But <laughs> but but I do understand what you're getting at, Kai. Like, you had a chance to be at this level of greatness and surrounded by this other level of greatness. We wouldn't want like we wouldn't look at like Leo and be like, nah, don't work with Scorsese. That's stupid. We'd be like, yo, do as many movies with him as you can do because we want to see the best movies you can make. So it, basketball has this weird like cultural idea of how y'all are supposed to grow. And I blame Jordan for all of this because he did do that and like he became the template. So like testament to his greatness, obviously he did that and he six for six, the whole nine. We know his resume. But y'all all have to follow in the footsteps and it's like, I don't think we're doing this right. You know, it's like if we made a car we, if you made a Ferrari, you wouldn't put a like a Corolla engine in there. Like, let's see how fast this car can get. You know what I mean? So, I'm with you there. It took me a while, but I'm with you there now. As far as that goes, it takes miles. It takes miles off your body as well. Playing with, um, you know, like other great players and great people. You know, it's just such a like easier style of basketball, bro. Like, <laughs> it's like Katie on Katie's on my wing. Okay. <laughs> Okay, every time down the floor, I could swing to KD. All right, cool. <laughs> so that's some of the thought process to y'all coming together. Like, when did that become a conversation between the two of you? Like, yo, we should we should play together. Because I imagine it like, I know people make it like this devious thing. Y'all at the All-Star game. Like, nah, let's get them, you know. But I imagine it's similar to what Kay and I did. We were shooting the shit. And it's like, yo, we should probably work on something. <laughs> like, if we're going to do all this shit together. Yeah. It was definitely that simple, I felt. Uh, I felt and I felt the, re- I felt the relationship uh grew just off of straight up respect before we even started having conversations it was just a respect for who he is as a man and, and that mutual respect for how we came up as 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 men and our journeys to this point and then once we start to kick it and talk about what we like to do outside of the game and who our, our family started to meet it just became easy <laughs> you know and we we obviously the common ground is how we hoop and how we love the game of basketball, but it just branched off from there. And we started to every day on FaceTime, what you think about this shot? What you think about this move that I did in this game? How about, you know, you know, when Brad take you out with six minutes to go in the first quarter, you know, what you going to do, how you going to approach the game coming back? Like we would have these type of conversations all day, every day. And it just, it, it grew from there. It, It just grew from there, man. It was organic. You know what I'm saying? And it wasn't something that you can kind of pinpoint and say, like, this was the moment. It just, it just happened. Yeah. From that point. And from that point, I feel like we pushed each other. Like we, we took, uh, the power back and put it in our hands as well. You know, I enjoyed the journey up until this point, but at the same time doing it with, you know, a family member, not just a friend, you know, somebody that you just, you kick it with and you like, yeah, let's go hoop today. And you see them only at the arena. And it's like, nah, we, yeah, we, we have our, our way of living life. But it, like I said, the synergy is, is connected to who we are as people first. And then the respect of what we do on the court as artists comes out in the way we play. And we look at it as like, man, I, we're playing pickup. And I'm like, man, I, I'm glad I got that guy on my team right there. You know, we're going at each other though. We're going at each other. We're playing one-on-one. And I think I've always wanted that as just having somebody to push me at all times, you know, whether it be 
we're off on the court talking about entrepreneurship or business and what we want to do as partners or collaborations or designs. And then on the court, you know, what do you think about this, bro? Like, what do you, he can, he asked me questions about things I'm thinking because I know he studied as much as me as I've studied of him, you know? So I think bring that together is like, we want to see the level we can get to now sharing it with a person that we believe in as well as other people. But it started with us being at the foundation and I accept him for who he is. So I was always going to jump out and protect that first and foremost. And same way with him. You mentioned playing each other. I've heard a little bit, heard y'all been working a little bit. Now I've heard one side of the story. Who's winning these games? Who's winning these ones? Who's winning? Yeah. When y'all played it, y'all working out, what's going on here? What's going on these days? What are you telling people, bro? <laughs> I'm not telling people anything. I just want to know what you about to say because I was waiting on your answer. It's been even. I've had good days. You've had good days. All right, all right. Even. <laughs> uh oh. I wouldn't. <laughs> I wouldn't I've say. Days. You've had good days. I've left out of there happy on top of Mount Everest, feeling like yo, I got a good day. I got the best out of Kevin Durant. I could go into wow. this one day like yo. I beat KD June 26th. You know what I mean? I, I beat him that day. I could scribble that in. Yo, you you might have. All right, man. I was better than you that day. I was better than you all that right. day. So, see, that's the these are the type of conversations we go. We can go off for an hour about how what moves I used on him that day. But yeah, it, see? I, I felt the same way you felt every day walking out the gym. So, I guess that's a good thing <laughs> that we both feel good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to have to take y'all word for it, I guess. I don't know who I think I got. Like, if, if Kai gets to dribble as much as he wants. You know, he might be he might be at that rim. First off, first off, I love having the ball handling title, you know, or like top of yo, your handle is crazy. I'm just like, yo, listen, I can get anywhere in one dribble. I can get anywhere with no dribbles. My footwork matches up with my ball handling, which is why I think the difference between watching somebody that has a nice handle between somebody that has a great movement pattern. My movements match my handle. So I'm, I'm going to speak about this because I think young kids, when they watch, they're like, yo, I want to have handles like Kyrie. I want to have handles like this. Mm-hmm. I want to do this. I want to finish like Kai. I want to do this. I'm like, bro, listen, let's like, oh, excuse me, King, Queen, let me address you like this. <laughs> you pick up the game, the intangibles come with your mind training. I figured out that I'm more effective with both my hands working simultaneously and my feet working simultaneously than just being able to just move somebody with my shoulders, with my head, with my eyes. I added all that to make a complete package that I have now to be able to spin on my left foot on a spin drive where most people don't expect the righty to spin back left. I practice going on the baseline, two foot jumping, fading right or fading left. These are amounts of reps that I take and practice fades, fading out of, you know, fading from the baseline and shooting over taller defenders because that's what I go against. I don't want to stay in one spot and dribble, 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 dribble. Even when I do that, I'm conscious that I've dribbled too freaking much. In today's age, we always think, hey, give it to guy on the wing and he's the top player if he can break down his man every single time. Nah, it's how efficient are you in every situation that you have the ball and you don't have the ball. You know, I'm like, that was the way I was taught. Now, the entertainer in me comes out when you see it on TV and you see all of these, oh my goodness, like, because that's what is part of it. That's part of the culture of watching it on TV. You want to see these nice passes. You want to see these no look passes. You want to see behind the back. You want to see somebody do 
something outworldly. So I go home and work on that creativity and imagination to be able to do it in fast paced tempo movements, not, Oh, I'm going to work on my game for 30 minutes and I'm going to my handle. Like, no, the flow of the ball moves as my body moves and my mind is trained to be able to do that in every situation. And then to dribble to a shot, that's a split second decision to be able to pick up the ball off a, off a bounce off your left hand and shoot it. Not many people can do that comfortably, you know? So I'm always trying to think about mastering those things and trying to do it in a new creative way. And if it happens to be something like, Oh, that was a crazy move. Hey, cool. Like, you know what I mean? That baseline move that I hit on Steph in uh, Golden State when I dropped it. Yo, that is crazy. Was we were definitely about, about to ask you about that. <laughs> I still remember the move. I practiced that move plenty of times. Head fake, jab, head fake, jab, drop, drop it again and shake, like, without touching the ball. So you drop it in front of you, but you spin it. To, so you catch it with your left hand. You spin it. I spun it. I dropped it and caught it with my left hand and spun. And then I faded and saw KD on the baseline. Yo, can I tell you what I was thinking on that play? Yo, please tell us. <laughs> so when so when Steph, when you get Steph out on the wing, like all of us just think, all right, we're gonna give him a shade, him a little bit of help, you know, because you know, obviously, we don't want that matchup as much. So. I'm going over there thinking that, you know, Steph is kind of forcing you to me. So I'm going, I'm just going to wait for him outside the paint. And then when you have spin, I'm like, perfect. All I got to do is step over just another step. And then when you see me at that split second, you pulled. <laughs> and I and I couldn't even <laughs> I couldn't even think about going to contest. It was so quick, you know, because I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm over here, but I should go help. But when you when you came out the spin and, and see me out the corner of your eye and pulled, that's that reaction that. It, it's, it's that split-second reaction that separates the good from the great, in my opinion. And that's what I call genius. And I know that we have experts and people that observe the game, but as a person that just watches it as a fan, as an observer, as a, a critic, you know, as a student, as a teacher, like, you, we got to give that credit. In those split seconds, that's what's the difference between that. You know, I saw you coming over baseline. I'm like, I got to drop this quick. I, and I shot it quick. I shot it quick. I didn't even follow through because I'm like, man, K coming over with his length. If he would have kept coming and doubled, I would have been done. That was my plan. <laughs> bro, I know what's your plan, bro. <laughs> Always coming over. Get out of the way, bro. Yo, that was my plan, man. I had to come help my gal. You can see, you can see Kevin hesitate like the slightest second. Like, almost like he got caught off guard. Like, yo, what did he – did he double? Like, what did he just do right now? And then the shot's in. It's like, whoa. Yeah, he hid the ball. When he hit when he hit the ball, when you turned your back, you're kind of like, yo, where is he still dribbling or did he <laughs> let it go? Did Steph tip it? And then you come out of nowhere with the shot. That was a that was just an incredible move. But but that's that spoke to, like, seeing stuff like this up close. And, like, we talked about in Team USA, that dribbling display you put on against us. And then you see the reverse layups uh, in, in no, numerous games. It always takes me back to the amount of time and effort it really takes and the consistency that you have. Like, talk about your consistency, wanting to get up every single day and perfect that craft. Because that's a different level, of, uh, a, a different mentality you have to approach every single night when you go to sleep and when you wake up in the morning. Yeah. Well, now I think the attitude and the mentality is, you know, you, you still want to work hard. And you still want to put in your time, but you want to work smarter and more efficiently. Because going in the gym for three hours at this point, um, you know, it helps 
uh, in certain aspects, but it also, you know, in terms of becoming a master or becoming, uh, you know, perfect at it or chasing this perfection, it, it more or less you want to keep the whole nuance of the game perfect. And I mean, like this is I want to use my tools better. You know, I mean, if if I I, I know that I, I won't be six seven ever, so shoot, I gotta some of the things that I do well, I want to do even greater. Uh, so I think that I attribute that attribute that mentality uh, not only to seeing other great players work on their craft, but also uh, keeping in mind the great players that could have been even greater, you know, might they put uh, more time in and continuing that trajectory or continuing that journey to becoming better. Um, and, and I don't know what becoming better looks like for anyone else, except for me, you know, and, and I think I don't want to compare it to anyone else's journey either. Um, because I know it's meant for me to share that greatness, not only with myself, but with others now. You know, before it used to be like, let me get as many points, let me get as many assists as I can. And now it's like, no, I want to bring a championship with my family uh, to Brooklyn, New Jersey, you know, New York, New Jersey, D.C. And then we have the biggest parade ever, you know, because I know standing on that platform with everything that's going on in the world, if I'm going to be dedicating my time to this craft and also dedicating myself to advancing and progressing our race, our spiritual agenda, you know, and knowing that I could be committed to becoming a scholar as well, rather than playing ball. You know, ball is is also, like I said, that meditative state, <clears throat> but life has its its course as well. You know, who I am and what I represent is far bigger than the game. But if we're going to be doing it, I'm going to do it as a masterful, you know, like performance. Work on it. I got. I have to spend my time in the gym every single day. Or on days where I know it's going to serve me at the highest level, you know, and I, yeah, we it's changed so much, okay? You know, like my, my routine has changed so much now that I've gotten older. I'm heading into year 10, year X. You know, it, it's crazy to think I have 10 years in the league. I'm going to my 10th year, and I know when you hit your 10th year, I know you were probably thinking the same thing. Yeah, it's like when you turn 30 in real life, it's like, damn, in 10 years, you know? So, yeah, that's a, that's a huge thing. And my, my lady keeps reminding me that I'm, I'm pushing 30. It's crazy because we think of Kai as such a young player, even still. And yeah, 10 years, it's like, yo, you really been at this for a while. So I want to get into some of the off-the-court stuff. I want to do get into some of the great work you've done. Before we do that, I, I have to ask some questions like as a fan because mm-hmm. I'll never get the chance to ask you this stuff again. <laughs> okay. After Game 7, the story that you FaceTime Kobe immediately, that's true? Yes. What was the thought process there? Like, you did you know beforehand? Like, I'm I'm calling Kobe as soon as this, if we win, I'm calling Kobe. <laughs> nah, I didn't know beforehand um, that I was gonna call him. Yeah, but I knew we were gonna win. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't know how how it was gonna go, but I knew we were gonna win. Uh, just because uh, of the way we were playing at that time, I feel like we were the better team. We were a lot more healthy as as well, healthy going into Game Seven as well. But after we won that game, I tell you, it took, it took a lot out of me, man, like mm-hmm. to isolate myself from the world. And that's what it felt like I had to do in order to lock into being perfect every possession um, in this championship level environment uh, because it demanded it going against yeah. these great players. Legendary performances from you guys. It had to be. Yo, honestly, I was so angry after that game, man, because it felt I wasn't angry at the win, like the win or the celebration. I just had to go into a place in order to 
it, it was like I had to go into almost like my spiritual animal, almost like it, it was look like it. Yeah, I had to go into that <laughs> place, bro. I had to go into that place. And then when we won, it was like the war's over. Like it was almost like I've been I've been going home, you know, sharpening my tools every single day. Like I've been on the Versa climber getting 1500 feet in. I've been doing extra pushups. Uh, you know, I've been going to sleep early. I've been meditating. I've been doing everything hitting and, and I. I was so separated too from my family mm -hmm. to a certain extent. So afterwards, I call and Cole was like, all right, oh, we won. Like, oh, we did it. <laughs> I hugged my dad. I hugged my sister. I gave my dad my jersey. And he was like, my dad was asking me, like, yo, what's wrong? And I was like, dad, there's, there's no more games. Like, <laughs> yeah. Thing I was angry at. You know what I mean? Because it's like, you want to, and I, and I played two days after the championship in a pickup. You know, because I, it, I was still so connected to the game. It was like, I still wanted to play at that high level. Like, I didn't want, I wanted to, sh so that whole summer, I took that same mentality and then I took it in 2017. I want to be better than I was in 2016. You know, I had my career high averaging points. You know, I, I did everything right. I felt like to be up there all NBA, we come in second place. We're not, you know, as connected as a team in Cleveland. And so I go back to even that phone call and it was like, Going to that place, I did it alone, you know, and I wanted to do it with my teammates. And this is what I look forward to now is teaching them about that place to go to, but doing it more as a team. We all had our own routines that we did to get into that locked in place. But 2017, when we were playing as the Cavs, uh, you know, we were playing with it. When I was playing with the Cavs, it was that it wasn't as connected. You know, in 2016, we had we were, hey, yo, ride or die. 2017. I wanted to be better, man. I was like, yo, 2016, I got that. 2017, I want to go crazy. And Kobe, literally from that point, um, after I called him, it was him and Gigi, by the way. And uh, Gigi smiling like, congrats, Kai, congrats. I'm so proud of you. And Kobe's like, I'm so proud of you. And I'm surprised he even answered a FaceTime call because I know he hates FaceTime. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you – you guys go in that huddle, 50 seconds to go, and it basically decides, like, all right, we're going to get the ball to car, we're going to space out, get a screen, we'll try to attack Steph. What are you thinking in that time? Like, you're locked in, but, like, what is going through your head? Same attitude I have now, uh, you know, that I had even when I – and I'll go back to the example against K, but uh, when we were playing against K, you know, it's, it's like 40 seconds left, and it's only probably like three possessions left in the game. And I know that – and so does K, just like he did to us when he came down. The <laughs> breaker is a three-pointer. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, especially a pull-up or something of a tough three-pointer that ends up going down, it, like, demoralizes the other team. Um, K comes down, he hits that three. Ah, it's like we uh, – mentally, we're like, oh, game's over. Like, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And then when I get Steph on that right wing, I'm thinking – I'm going to get to my bread and butter spot. I know that I've shot over a taller defender, so he really has a small chance of blocking the shot. And this three-pointer is just going to take the energy out of this whole building, and they're going to have to rush because, you know, they didn't have to take a three at the end of the game. You know, mm -hmm. they could have easily mm -hmm. got two, you know, mm -hmm. and it would have been another possession game. Um, but when I took that shot, bro, it was like, boom, took it, raised up, made sure my elbow was pointed, you know, Throughout that season, I asked Kobe, like, what, what, what's one thing that you always remember when you're shooting tough phase? And he said, I always keep my right elbow pointed at the rim. 
And it went in, boom. They called timeout. And then we, you know, K-Love did that stop. And then I pushed down the stuff. I want to ask about this. Like, what was you doing? <laughs> Bro, so, so in the frame of the game, the most unexpected plays down the stretch, I hold on to. I'm like, all right, well, they're going to think. <laughs> they're going to think that we're going to bring it out. We're going to hold. They're going to double us. You know, they're going to get it to somebody that we don't want to shoot in a free throw. And they're going to foul. But if we can get this quick two, we'll go up five. The game's over, over. Game's over. Game's finito. Mm -hmm. So I race. I, I, I give a, a change of speed to Clay. I drive by Clay. I know Bron's coming. I see him. I'm like, this is about, Bron is about to, mm, he's about to, so I, I pass it to Bron. Dre grabs his whole arm. <laughs> this is the dunk. And then he falls on his wrist. And he's like, ah, my wrist, my wrist, my wrist. And we're like, yo, at this point, we only need one free throw. Mm -hmm. One free throw and the game's over. So he misses the first, then he makes the second, and then it was just like one stop. That was it. You know, most space shoots the last three-pointer of the season. And then we win, and it was like I'm celebrating with Coach Handy on the floor, and we're yelling and we're screaming, bro. And it was the greatest moment until, you know, I, I was like, I came back to reality, and I was like, there's not any more games. <laughs> Man, so this conversation was so good. It went so long that we had to split this up into two parts. Second part coming out later in the week. We talked about first playing against each other, Team USA, our relationship as teammates, brothers, everything. So part two coming out later in the week. Stay tuned. Yeah, and like we said at the top, this convo went so long. It's crazy. We asked them for, what, 45 minutes? And then we got them on the line for two and a half almost three hours and we could have went two three more incredible man incredible i've heard these stories but to hear him especially as he continues to keep growing as a player to him each and every year because these stories change man these perspectives change you know as you grow so so to continue to hear those stories man and to see it from his view was definitely incredible i'm excited for people to hear episode two i don't want to step on this one but i think that one might be even better so comment listen subscribe all of that good stuff. We'll be back later this week. Episode two, Kyrie Irving. That's the etc. Yes, sir.